You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. We had um, we'd been praying. We prayed as a church. We prayed as individuals. We had certainly been praying. He laid in the hospital bed, uh, unable to move or open his eyes. A few of the elders stood over him and anointed him with oil, and we prayed. We prayed for miraculous healing. God. Show mercy. God, heal this man's body. God, may your name be glorified in this suffering. And so I sat in the back seat as we drove uh, from Rockford, Illinois, uh, to Davis, Illinois, the lead pastor and the associate pastor in the front seat. It was the first time that I had ever uh, anointed anyone with oil or prayed. Um, I I stared out the window of that car and reflected on what we just did. And, and in the silence, I said, um, hey guys, does, does that ever work? No answer. Felt a little embarrassed even saying it. Uh, <laughs> the silence grew louder. Several weeks later, the man passed away, leaving his wife, his, his children, his grandchildren, um, and, and many friends and, and family to grieve his absence. And that unanswered question remained, does, does, it, does it ever work? Does prayer work? Or is this, I mean, is this just some wishful thinking for Christians? Is this just some internal cry into the absence of space? Does, Does God hear us? If God hears us, I mean, will he do anything about it? Does does prayer work? It, It is very possible that you have asked yourself that question or might even be asking yourself that question right now, praying and pleading for God to answer, to, to heal the person that you love, to restore the broken relationship, to free, free, free you from addiction, to save you from yourself. Will God answer? I, does this even work? The the firm foundation answer to that question is yes. Maybe not how we thought. Maybe not how we wanted. But God will certainly answer his children. So does prayer work? Yes, and let me show you how from God's word. We'll be in 1 Samuel chapter 23. 1 Samuel chapter 23, I'll start in verse 1. If you have a digital Bible, I'll read out of the ESV. If you have a bulletin, it's all there uh, in your bulletin. But before we read the passage, study the passage, uh, like we do every week, let's pray together. 
God, we uh, come before you and, and we admit, confess this, this discussion of prayer is something uh, that all of us have wrestled with. Do you even hear us right now? Will you respond right now? Do you care about our situation, not just what's happening globally, Father? Do you care about our situation? What's going to happen this afternoon? What's going to happen this week? God, do you, do you care? Will you answer us, God? And we know from your word that you do care, that you do love us, God, that you will answer your children. So I pray, Father, that as we, we study 1 Samuel chapter 23, uh, that you would give us uh, clarity concerning prayer. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So 1 Samuel 23, I'll start in verse 1. Now they told David, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keliah. And they're robbing the threshing floor. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Keliah. And David's men said to him, behold, we are, we're afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Keliah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord again. And the Lord answered him, arise and go down to Keliah, for I have for I will give you the Philistines into your hands. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. And so David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Verse 6. When Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David to Keilah, he had come down with an ephod in his hand. And it was told Saul that David had come to Keilah, and Saul said, God had, has given him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. And Saul summoned all the people to go to war, to go down to Keilah, and to besiege David and his men. David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him, and he said to Abathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. And David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant, has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Keliah to destroy the city on my account with the men of Keliah. Surrender me into his hand. Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, well, he, he will come down. And David said, will, will the men of Keliah surrender me? and my men into the hand of Saul. And the Lord said, they will surrender you. Then David and his men, who were about 600, arose and departed from Keliah and went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Keliah, he gave up the expedition, and David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day. But God did not give him into his hand. How does God answer prayer? Now, the question is not, does God hear us? 
Because if you are in Christ, if you are walking in righteousness this morning, the Lord hears your prayers. This is Psalm 34, 17. It says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. So if, if your heart is right with Christ, the Lord will hear your prayers. That's not a promise from me. That's a promise from the, the word. But let me also state this right up front. It's possible that you're crying out to the Lord, but you have unconfessed sin in your life. Not unaware sin, that's different. Unconfessed sin that you know is sin. It's possible that you're crying out to the Lord and you don't even know the Lord. And so let me gently tell you, he ain't listening. He's not listening to anything but repentance. That doesn't mean he's incapable of listening. That that doesn't mean he doesn't care. It means that the Lord answers the man or woman that is right before the Lord in Christ. And while I can give us countless examples, let, let me at least give us two. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. The Lord is not listening to the prayers of men and women with hearts that are filled with sin. God is not our genie. We don't pray for him to grant our wishes so we can get whatever we want and then do whatever we want. Is your prayer wanting something from the God that you don't even really know or care to follow? So don't be surprised when he doesn't answer. It is literally the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 8, verse 18. And in that day, you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. The people of Israel ignored God. God's prophet tried to warn them. And the warning is, when you go down this path, Don't go crying to the Lord when it doesn't work out how you thought. It's one big giant. I told you so. And yet, we have this beautiful reality of prayer in this passage this morning for those in Christ, for those humble enough to confess their sins. I didn't say perfect. All have issues on some level. I said those that are humble enough to have a heart made right in Christ, the Lord will answer their prayers. How do I know that? Well, because David shows us what it means to be a man of prayer. David shows us that when we cry out to the Lord, the Lord does answer. So how does does God answer prayer? Let me give you three things from our passage. One, by providing a great victory. By providing a great victory. That old enemy would not flee David has received news in verse 1 of our passage. The Philistines of Gath have seen this open window to attack the Lord's people. There's, there's a city named Kelia. It's an isolated Israelite city about 12 miles southeast of Gath. And as you guessed it, there's a map. Um, they're they're kind of hard to see on the screen. but So that's kind of in between Gath and Kelia. You can see Gath. 
northwest, Kelia, northeast, or southeast. Um, about early summertime, people of Kelia, they're harvesting grain on the threshing floor, the process that separated the shells from the seeds. It was a perfect time to plunder this isolated city, and that's exactly what the Philistines did. But in verse 2, we're confronted with a response from David. This mighty warrior, this man that has seen it all, this man that has defeated the Philistines, this man that now carries the sword from Goliath of Gath, what's his very first response upon hearing the news? Verse 2, therefore, David inquired of the Lord. Is that what you do when you hear bad news? Do you immediately go to this posture of prayer? Because I, I immediately go to a posture of, what does Google say? What do all the people of Reddit think of this situation? What do family members and friends think? Not the exterior, uh, exterior wisdom doesn't matter. I think it does. But it's the gentle indictment from the example of God's anointed. How long does it take us to go to prayer? Is that your last resort when everything else you've tried doesn't work out? David immediately goes to the Lord in prayer, and the Lord responds, verse 2, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack these Philistines. Save the people. All right, cool. Got a plan. God has confirmed it's a healthy pattern that you see, that you've seen before in the Old Testament. David has God's blessing. David has God's support. But there's a problem. David's not going alone, and he's got a group of honest men with him that say, Behold, we're afraid, we're afraid here in Judah. How much more if we go down against those armies of the Philistines? David gets it. Things a lot more safe in the hideout than the battlefield when David is confronted with some pushback by his own people. What's he do? Does he lash out? Rebuke his men? Again, verse 4, then David inquired of the Lord again. He prays. And the Lord answers. Arise, go down to Kelia, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. And so that's exactly what David does in verse 5. And guess what happened? It worked. Prayer worked. What God has said will come to pass. They took down the Philistines with a great blow. And David saved the inhabitants. For us to properly understand point one by providing a great victory... I need to ask us a question of reflection. What kind of victory are you actually praying for? We know what David was praying for. He won a blessing, victory to fight the Philistines, to save the people. What about us? What kind of victory should we pray for? Romans 8, starting in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, 
or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We pray for victory in Christ regardless of what life throws at us. Why? Because whether we're in distress or if we're slaughtered, you're still more than, than conquerors in Christ who loves you. So pray for the miraculous healing for those you love. Pray for the better job. Pray for the restored relationships. Pray for your financial hardships to just evaporate. Pray for justice against wicked men and women. Pray for these things. Pray for, pray for God to do more than you could ever ask or imagine. Pray for big prayers that don't, e- like they, they, they don't even make sense to you in the moment. They seem absurd that you would even pray over them. Pray for those things. But the greatest victory is what King Jesus has done for us because he loves us. Like the greatest miracle that that could happen in your life is not a better life. The greatest miracle that can happen in your life is your dead heart being made alive in Christ. King Jesus saw us being plundered by the enemy and came to redeem his people. So even if it doesn't get better, you're still victorious in Christ. Even if you don't get the job, still victorious in Christ. Even if the relationship's not restored, money doesn't always, is just always a burden for you, you can still have victory in Christ. So when I pray for, for victory, I pray that the Lord might be magnified in whatever situation I'm praying for. Like whether the outcome is exactly what I wanted, um, I can at least rest in knowing that it's exactly what the sovereign God wanted. That, I mean, that's a powerful prayer of, of victory. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56. The sting of death is sin. The power of the sin is law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of King Jesus, we can pray for victory and know that it will always come true in the end. But, you know, it's not just prayers uh, for victory. Sometimes you pray just to figure out what you're supposed to do next. Which drives us right into the next point. How does prayer, how does God answer prayer? Let me point to by revealing the path forward. So the slaughtering of the Lord's priest has been completed. Wicked King Saul has ordered and watched the demise of women and children, infants, the Levite city of Nob, and amongst the blood and screams of the city, a man escaped, the son of the high priest Ahimelech, a man named Abathar, fleeing to David to share the news. David responds, say with me, do not be afraid, with me you shall be in safe keeping, And so it was. The the line of priests would not be cut down forever. And so as we transition to verse 6, we're reintroduced to the man Abathar. Up to this point, David has been praying. 
and hearing the Lord's clear response. But Abathar, Abathar shows up in verse 6 with, with an unusual device. He had come down to Kilia with the ephod in his hand. What is that? Why does that matter? Well, an ephod was a royal garment that I mentioned last week in Exodus 28. Um, but attached to that is what grabs our attention. A device I mentioned back when we studied in First uh, uh, Samuel 14, probably about 20 to 100 years ago. Um, it's a strange device. It's the only such device allowed in the Torah. It's a device that we would not use today. It's a device called the Urim and the Thummim. I know everyone remembers that. Um, but attached or near the ephod of the high priest was this pouch containing gemstones. Not much is known about that. The speculation is that the Lord would cause this device to light up to give a clear answer on what to do and what not to do. So Urim means lights, Thummim means perfection, which means, at the very least, David now has access to not only praying to the Lord, but now a priest of the Lord and a device from the Lord that can help him make a decision on what he needs to do next. Which is all great because the enemy has shown back up. Verses 7, seven through 13, Saul is told of David's exact location. Finally, a chance for Saul to murder him. God has given him into my hand. He has shut himself into the town that has gates and bars. And so David prays. He knows Saul's out to get him. He knows that if the Philistines thought Kelia was easy pickings, then certainly Saul would think the same when he found out where he was. And so David prays, bring the ephod here, David tells Abathar. O Lord, the God of Israel, certainly Saul is coming to destroy this city. Will these people give me up to Saul? Will Saul even come down here? Please answer me, Lord. Tell me what I need to do. And the Lord responds, He will come down. All right, God, I get it. But just to clarify, because that was only one of the questions. Um, since He is coming down here, Will these people hand me over to him? And the Lord responds, they will surrender you. And then look at verse 13. David and his guys, about 600 of them, get up and leave. Move to a different safe location. When Saul found out that he left, he quits the current mission. David prayed. The Lord answered. David responded. Things worked out well, at least for the time being. Can we be honest with each other? Isn't, isn't it a little annoying to see how easy that was? I mean, you and I have prayed for countless things throughout our life. We need a direction. We need a, a path forward. Wouldn't it be great if God just told us exactly what to do, like he did for David? Wouldn't it, I mean, wouldn't it be great if, if we had one of those like devices that lit up and told us what God knows, like he did for David? How many times I've prayed 
for a direction in my life, and I just beg God to answer me or like, show me a sign. Give me a sign. And here's what God gives me and you instead. He gives us the book. He literally gives us all the answers and all the promises for the future. He gives us something David only wished he had. Do you want to know what path to take? Read your Bible. You want to know what God's thinking? Read your Bible. Do you want to hear the voice of God? Read your Bible. Sometimes we're faced with a path that's either wrong or right. And if you're reading your Bible, well, you know what path to take. Like we, don't, we don't need a special device from the ephod to tell us what, what path to take. Take the righteous path. All right. Um, but sometimes, and I've been there and I'm sure... Plenty of you all have been there. Sometimes there's a path that's either right or right. Both paths line up with God's word. What do you do then? I'd say simply just choose the path that gives you the most opportunity to glorify Christ. You're like, all right, but I got one more variable for you. Um, let's say I'm faced with a path that is right and right but then both of those opportunities look the same. What then? Well, first, be thankful you even have two opportunities. Some people have none. And then say, secondly, just pick one. Just pick one. Trust God for the future. Christ is going to be glorified either way. He's not asking us to play some game show for his entertainment. Just pick one. See, Prayer is not the revealing of a new path forward. Prayer is the revealing of what God has already said and the power to faithfully live it out in the Holy Spirit. God answers our prayers by revealing the word to us and by giving us the power to live out the word. How does God answer prayer? Three, by protecting against the enemy. Lastly, look at verse 14 of the passage. David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness in the hill country of Ziph. David and his men are bouncing around from stronghold to stronghold. Saul sought him every day. And then the end of verse 14. But God did not give him into his hand. When is the last time you prayed for protection from the enemy? that you prayed that you would not fall into temptation, that evil would not overtake you, because that's what Christ has prayed for you. John 17, verse 14. I've given them your word. The world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also might be sanctified in truth. 
God is more concerned about protecting your heart than giving you a comfortable life. God is more concerned with protecting your soul than giving you that next opportunity. And sure, sometimes we resist the enemy and he flees, James 4, 7, when declare that, but in 1 Samuel and others, we're the ones called to flee. Two examples, 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That's the answer to prayer. Not that God would remove us from every difficult situation in this world, but that we might be kept from the evil one. Pray that kind of prayer, and it will be answered. Pray for strength to resist. Pray for strength to flee. Pray for protection from the evil one. God will not give us into the hand of the enemy. He's going to protect his children. Every day. Every day she pleaded her case. And every day he said no. Day after day, month after month, year after year, and she had no one left to turn to. No one else could help. I mean, how... How could someone so evil take advantage of a helpless widow? She had nothing and no one. This widow could stand in line at the courtroom to see the judge. Wasn't a great man. Judge, um, he didn't fear God and he certainly didn't respect men. And every day she pleaded her case, and every day he said no. Day after day, month after month, year after year. Judge refused, but this, this thought crept into his twisted mind. This exhausting widow keeps bothering me, so if I just give her justice, she'll leave me alone. And so that's what he did. The widow kept coming to the judge, and the wicked judge finally gave her what she wanted so she would leave him alone. It's the parable of Luke 18. Like, why share that? Because if a wicked, unrighteous judge will give a widow what she needs because of her constant pleading, how much more will God, our righteous judge, respond? Luke 18, verse 7. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, I mean, will he even find faith on earth? 
why Jesus said that's why we pray. We always pray and not lose heart. David was a man of prayer. He prayed, he prayed, he prayed, he prayed, and God answered. He provided the great victory. He provided and revealed a path forward. He protected against the enemy. This thing even worked? Prayer even matter? Yeah, always. So church, pray. And then when you're done, pray some more. God will give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night. Last two verses. First Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Your main point, simply just pray. Pray without ceasing. Always pray. So let's pray together. God, we're thankful for uh, the challenge and the encouragement of your word for the example of David in the passage. A man that certainly uh, struggled and wrestled with sin. Certainly a a man that fell short. The most well-known narratives of the Old Testament, certainly David fell short. But a man who knew where to run to. A man who knew how to pray. God, I, I, I plead that this would be that kind of church. Men and women faced with bad news, they go and inquire to the Lord. Men and women with a little pushback, people don't always agree with them. Life is difficult, they, they go and inquire to the Lord. That we're a church that always prays. And God, we're thankful for the promise and truth of your word that you always answer. We pray these things in your son's name. Thank you.